0: Leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, Here's the host of the Talent Talk radio show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer.
1: Hey, good afternoon and welcome to Talent Talk. It's Tuesday, so we are here live with two awesome guests talking about talent and what makes uh, them unique and talented. And, of course, what they're doing with their talent inside of their organizations um, I've had the opportunity you know over the years to have so many fantastic people on this show learn so much from them, uh, but also, you know, I sort of like to find these people, you know these diamonds in the rough out there at shows, at conferences at you know different uh, places where I might run into them, and so we, we do our best to try to find this really kind of cool mix of people that are thinking about talent and thinking about their people in a very uh inspiring way so um so many of the stories from uh, the radio show um have have really come to light in that uh I've even put them in a book uh called uh, the Power of Company Culture, and it's really the story of my company and what we went through as the recession hit in 2008, 2009, but also looking at the inspiration, the, the really uh, incredible wisdom, leadership wisdom that we received from so many of our guests and to talking about that and 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 looking at how they can help us be better companies. So love to have you check that out. But as I mentioned, Talent Talk is live here every uh, Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, you can find us, though. Most of you kind of get us after the fact, which is cool, um, on iTunes. You can subscribe there. You can listen to us and subscribe on iHeartRadio. We're on Stitcher. Wherever you find your podcasts, uh, we'd love to have you listen so many of you uh, sort of mentioned to us that you listen in the car you listen maybe when you're sitting watching your kid play soccer or on the treadmill whatever it may be but a big thank you to everyone who's following the show and being a part of it uh, speaking of being a part of it uh, before we get to our guests just a reminder we love to hear from you on twitter that's kind of the platform where it's easiest for us to we live tweet the show we got some really cool kind of comments and little one-liners that my producer mike feeds into the into Twitter there. Just look for at people G2. Uh, that's a sponsor of our show. And uh, that's where the life uh, feed kind of happens. You can also search for that hashtag talent talk, but reply, retweet, send us your comments, your guest suggestions, whatever you like. That's the place to do it. All right, my guests today include Bart uh, Valdez, the CEO at U.S. Nursing Corporation and Faststaff. And then we're going to bring in my buddy Brian Aranda, as the CEO of Thingify, and talk about all the stuff he's doing. He's going to return to our show after, I guess maybe been three or four years since he's been on, but we're going to get caught up with him and on everything that he's doing from drones to design to everything else. So let's go ahead and get to my uh, first guest. I'm excited to talk to Bart Valdez. Uh, Bart, welcome to the show hi uh thank you chris i appreciate it and i'm excited to be here so why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself what should we know about you and tell us about your company what you're doing over there and uh you know what's sort of that baseline that we need to go to kind of start this conversation
2: sure absolutely well uh i'm the ceo of u.s nursing corporation and FastApp. i've been in this role for about four months but uh, prior to coming here there was a few other positions that i held that uh, I think really helped prepare me for this role. I uh, was the president of uh, First Advantage uh, in their employment screening division for about nine years where I helped build that company through over 36 different acquisitions. uh, uh, Then I followed that up with uh, being the executive vice president and general manager for Ceridian, uh, which is a large payroll and benefits company that basically moved from mainframe to a cloud-based company. And uh, last, I was uh, president of the functional outsourcing division of Cineos Health, which is a large, uh, one of the largest, actually uh, the third largest clinical research organization in the world.
1: Well, that's quite a lot there, and uh, I think we'll definitely be talking about U.S. Nursing Corporation and uh, fast Staff and certainly uh, you know, an interesting side note that you came from what was one of my competitors, uh, so that's always fascinating to talk to people who've uh, been in the same industry as I'm in now, because it is a unique uh, and, and odd industry at times. So.
2: <laughs> yes, it can be. It can be. And U.S. Uh, nursing Corporation and fast Staff, they've been around for about 30 years, Uh, The foundation company is U.S. Nursing, where they really focused initially on labor disruption, uh, which could mean strike coverage, which could mean uh, basically anything where where labor uh, was impacted, and therefore a hospital, an acute care hospital, would need uh, replacement workers uh, almost immediately. So we provided that service for almost the last 30 years, and FAST staff was really born of that where they became a rapid response provider, where not necessarily serving the urgent needs of a labor disruption, but certainly being able to provide uh, uh, nurses uh, within a very rapid time frame, typically within less than 10 days, uh, is has really been uh, the niche that we've carved out and been very successful in.
1: So, you know, obviously there's a lot of staffing companies out there. That's uh, certainly a focus for us um, as a company. Um, and there's certainly a lot of different areas inside of that. I mean, given sort of the, uh, the projected healthcare provider shortages in the coming years, how is FAST staff really preparing to take this on, not only as a strategy, but certainly, you know, maybe as an obstacle, right, with the sort of low unemployment we're having, uh, the need inside of healthcare? care? Is that sort of a, a major focus for you guys? And if it is, maybe you can kind of walk us through some of that strategy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, you're right. The shortages uh, that are being predicted are are just tremendous on top of the shortages we already have today. So it's a massive concern, not just for U.S. nursing and FAST staff, but for the industry in general. So as we look at what we've been able to do to carve our particular niche, is, you know, certainly our history of being in this industry for 30 years has helped us. Uh, We're certainly not uh, the new kids on the block. We've been doing this, we're a tried and true. Uh, entity, and and so that's been very helpful to us. Additionally, over that 30-year period, we've really managed to build up databases which has most every nurse uh, that is licensed in the U.S. uh, and uh, specifically those nurses that uh, like to work in a travel nursing capacity or in uh, a labor disruption capacity and so that has really helped us understand not only the types of nurses that we need but how we can deploy them quickly. Also, we have a stellar reputation in the industry as being one of the best providers. Uh, We have certainly been uh, one of those organizations that has been um, well uh, commented about from nurses as far as the nurse experience, even though sometimes we go into some very dangerous areas where we're potentially helping hurricane victims or we're going into uh, uh, systems where they're or healthcare areas where their systems have failed, and we're having to really pick it, help help the incumbent nurses there, as well as pick up the pieces from from what are the whatever technical challenges may be happening there. So we have continually stepped up. So our reputation is, is stellar, but it, at the same time, we still need to think about innovative ways by which we're connecting with the nurse population, particularly as nurse uh, demands and requirements change. Um, I think that um, the travel nurse uh, market, which is roughly a $5.4 billion market, has uh, uh, changed significantly over the last few years as you look at it not only being one of the originators of sort of the gig economy, but certainly one where now instead of just looking for maybe an opportunity to work for uh, a higher paying travel nurse um, engagement, A lot of our nurses are also looking at what's the experience that they'd be able to gain, how does it help their career, does it fit within their lifestyle, or is there uh, an opportunity maybe to get some training that they wouldn't have exposure to in either a staff position or in a position that they're currently employed in. So we have had to really understand not only what our clients need from from a client perspective, but also understand what the nurses are needing going forward to help enhance their career, as well as give them great experiences to further develop their skills and their capabilities.
1: So, you know, you've kind of already started to maybe explain what was gonna be my next question, which is, you know, how is technology really, you know, powering this experience, this human capital space? Uh, You talked about having a database of all those different providers and some of the other technological areas. You know, and certainly I've seen this in, uh, in it depends on the group. Um, you know, Kaiser might be one that's doing it best here in the States. Certainly uh, in England, they use this quite a bit where, you know, the nurses may be, you know, it might be as many nurses that are remote um, giving people direct, you know, help via, you know, some sort of video conferencing thing uh, as sort of a, a pre-triage, right? So the technology is sort of helping deal with some of that supply and demand by allowing you know nurses to be, to, to have more coverage or have more interactions. Uh, what, are you, what else are you seeing sort of in this space as, as it revolves around technology?
2: Yeah, that, a great question. On, on the technology front, we're really seeing two separate areas. One in the back office, technology has really helped to expedite the process of onboarding a nurse, verifying and validating credentials as, as you're well aware of and being in the background industry. Uh, being able to process that nurse through to make sure that she has all the proper, he or she has all the proper licensures that are required. Uh, So that technology has certainly helped in the back office to create efficiencies. But really on the front end where it comes into the nurse experience as well as, to some degree, the client experience, you're hearing a lot of companies and organizations talking about how they want to Uberize or create a marketplace which, you know, really provides the supply, being the nurses, meeting the demand, being the the hospitals that need that supply, and truly trying to do sort of that matchmaking event between the supply and the demand. We think that certainly that's going to be a component of how you create efficiencies within the market, but we also think that there's a significant amount of additional uh, understanding uh, that you can 't just create a marketplace to match these the supplier the supply and the demand, you also really have to understand what is the culture of the hospital that you 're working that you 're working with, what are their requirements. You also have to really understand and map out what are the nurse requirements and what types of opportunities that they 're looking for it 's not simply a marketplace like Uber, I think it takes on. Sort of that next generation because of the complexity, you're dealing with patient care, you're dealing with, with a person's uh, lives, you really want to make sure that you have the proper skill set, the proper uh, uh, environment for that nurse to be able to practice uh, her skills in, in, a, in a really positive manner with the patients.
1: You know, and it, and it really seems like at least for the next you know five or ten years, unless something dramatic happens... The, the demand for these types of people seems to outweigh the supply. And so, you know, we, we can't – magic. You know, there's nothing magic you can do to sort of find more people, find more nurses. If they're not already nurses, they're not in school right now, right, that sort of – that. there's a limited number of, of bodies. So some of these strategies feel like you're just, you know, you pay, stealing from Peter to pay Paul – um, but long, maybe with some technology, can we make people more efficient? Can AI do some of this work that they don't need to be doing so they can be spending more time with patients or more time doing the work they need to be doing? You know, where can technology make them more efficient and make the overall experience better? Uh, it's sort of, you know, where my brain goes and maybe it's not the uberization of it, but is it, you know, can we, can we somehow help them, uh, be able to, to, to do more, and I, I don't know if that's if I'm on the right track, or you tell me, am I am I thinking about this in the wrong way?
2: No, you're you're absolutely correct. I think AI and machine learning is going to be a critical part of this. We saw this uh, in the clinical trials industry, which I which I came from, uh, where AI and, and machine learning was really helping to you know create um, data points by which you can make decisions. Here, you know, you have the added complexity of of the direct patient care but AI can certainly help uh, uh, manage that, that patient, uh, the patient protocols. Also, as, as we look at getting to those, um, uh, creating that efficiency, you really look at the distribution of healthcare services and how everything is going from a monitoring device, where it be just a, a biological cuff that you could wear that helps record data that normally a nurse may have taken. Uh, can that be uh, something that's automated. You look at the that the ambulatory care centers uh, that that are um, you know that exist everywhere. Uh, those are ways to start to leverage individuals so that they can see more patients in a in, a, in an environment that is really um, conducive to seeing uh, emergency room and in small and uh, less severe uh, type of, of of care issues. Also, there's virtual docs, you know, certainly the telephone texting. uh, You're seeing a lot of that being um, done in mental health, where some of the companies that have been really interesting and coming up to speed lately have been those that have been providing uh, various services uh, through, you know, a virtual uh, therapist type of, type of role. So I think you're seeing a lot of innovation throughout healthcare, and we're all trying to understand what are the best technologies and what are the best uses of technology to still, number one, take care of the patient, and number two, be able to deliver those services in a very economical and efficient way and be able to use the talents of the individuals, in this case the nurses, in a way that really helps them uh, uh, to continue to develop their career and, and where they would like to go.
1: Yeah and and that's really important uh, and there's so many components there and I'm sure there's a lot of things that uh, we ask nurses to do that uh, you know they don't want to, they they would be happy to have AI or technology or the patient or somebody else you know take care of and we have all the complexities here of the laws and different insurance companies and uh, one hospital the next and I mean there's there's so much there but Certainly, uh, it seems like there's a that's also an incredible opportunity for us to make the, the process more efficient to bring a lot of change, good change, uh, into there. And so I'm sort of wondering, uh, there's a term here that we picked up from you know preparing for our interview today. Can you could talk about what the human cloud is and what that opportunity is, uh, you know, inside of your industry for to make immediate connections and what kind of impact you think it's going to have on recruiting inside of healthcare.
2: Uh, yeah, the, the human cloud is, is, is an area that we believe it, it really provides us with creating data in such a way and configuring it in such a way that we have greater access to those types of nurses and with the proper types of skill sets that we need so that we can access them much faster, much more real time to be able to introduce them to opportunities that may be immediate. You know, one of the uh, the things that uh, FASTAF does probably better than any other organization is our ability to fill, uh, um, you know, uh, rapid uh, needs on behalf of a hospital. So, for example, just last week, we had uh, a call at 1 o'clock on Thursday to provide almost 200 nurses by Saturday, and so that gave us less than 48 hours to fill 200 nurses. And because of our ability to attract those nurses into these roles, to have that first, the database by which to access them, it uh, became uh, something that we could do very efficiently and provided every single nurse that that hospital needed in that short period of time. So here you're going from basically zero to almost 200 nurses in less than 48 hours um, uh, where they left their homes and were on the ground uh, at the hospital ready to uh, provide patient care.
1: Yeah, and that's a really, really tall order. I mean, 200 nurses, I I would certainly say from my understanding of, of staffing and especially inside of medical staffing that if you're given an order to get 200 nurses, it's going to be, you know, hard to do that. To get them in 48 hours is quite amazing. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it was Um, uh, you know it was an incredible team effort, Um, but you know we're used to that. That's that's really the environment in which we thrive. Uh, We've done it a number of times, whether it be for a project or for an emergency like Hurricane Harvey, where we were helicoptering nurses into the various acute care hospitals. Um, You know, this that's an environment that we're comfortable with, and I think it's because of you know the long history of labor disruption that we've worked in, and you know our nurses know. Immediately, that if they get a call from us, that it's going to be urgent, and it's a, a necessary—it's it, a necessary call for them to accept because it's going to be a critical uh,
1: need. Right. So maybe kind of we could talk here a little bit about you know based on your years of leadership experience, how do you effectively build a strong leadership team? You talked about it being a team effort, bringing in those. Uh, 200 nurses in 400 hours. I mean, you certainly need a good team. You need a great leadership team. Uh, What are some of the things that you have seen that, you know, really maybe are kind of must-haves in order to to, to build the right team for you?
2: Yeah, I think uh, going back to the previous experience I mentioned at the top of the interview here, I've been uh, had the privilege to work in organizations that were turnarounds. I've had uh, the privilege to work in organizations that were trying to go for rapid growth. Uh, in all sorts of different types of organizations, and so yeah, at different points in their maturity. So I've got to see some some interesting things, and I think probably the first thing that I always try and start with is what I call vocal, and I'm sure everyone's heard of VOC, voice of customer, uh, and that really, and, and what I like to do is expand it into not only voice of customer, but also voice of academics, meaning what are academics saying about the market and the industry, and then voice of leaders, meaning leaders in the industry, what are they doing, how are they leading from the front, and really take the analysis and the viewpoints of, of customers, academics, and leaders to really create the mission for the organization. And I think once you can really identify what that mission is, then it's a matter of really introducing it to the employee population through first identifying very clear objectives, developing strategies to meet those objectives, creating the proper structure that supports it and being very much a realist on what that structure can be. And then lastly, really putting in the people so that they can execute against that and making sure that the people understand their role within that mission and within that mission statement. It's critical for everyone to be rowing in the same direction and without that first clear understanding of the market and what they wanna to provide to customers and what needs they are fulfilling for customers. That's the first step going through that vocal process and then really understanding what the objectives and strategy is for the overall organization. So I think that's that's critical to developing the culture and everyone is every one of these are unique. In some cases, you're gonna have a turnaround situation. In other cases, you have a growth situation. In other cases, you have a company a lot of mid-market companies that are really just trying to find who they are in a very crowded uh, market. So um, I think that's a process that, that I firmly believe in and I've deployed in every um, engagement that I've had as a, as a leader.
1: Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Well, it sounds like uh, you're someone who, who thinks about these types of things, and uh, our experience is that those people also tend like to read books. So we'd love to know if there's a book that you're reading right now we might check out or maybe one that you typically you know, suggest uh, to people uh, when they come onto your team.
2: Yeah, the, the book I'm reading currently is a book by General Stanley McChrystal. Um, it's called Leaders, Myths, and Reality, and it really talks about different environments that require different types of leaders at different points of time uh, in an organization, and um, how you know followers choose to follow those leaders. You know it, it's it's a very interesting book because it it talks about you know not only the learning process of the leaders, but also how they learn from not only the mission that they have to fulfill. But how they can best leverage people into the right positions to, to make an impact not only for on the business but on customers and on and, and potentially on themselves as well
1: Yeah and it sounds like a really interesting book to check out and, and some of those kind of themes are things that people don't always think about uh, that they should be thinking about uh, so hopefully our listeners will check that out and uh, uh, want to uh, uh, you know to read that book. Now we get such great suggestions. That's why it's kind of a question that has stayed with us through this entire five years plus of this podcast that we've asked nearly every single one of our guests if we've gotten there is to give us a book suggestion because there's just so many great books out there for us to think about reading. Um, yeah, well, actually, you, you certainly have uh, given us a lot to think about today, Bart, and I really appreciate you being on the show. How can people find out more about u s. Nursing Corporation and Faststaff? Maybe they're a nurse wanting to get? Placed, Maybe they're, uh, you know, an organization that needs, ne- needs your help. What's the best way for them to find out more?
2: You know, we, we have uh, certainly all the social media uh, capabilities. We have a, a, a portal. They can go to faststaff.com. And, you know, if they'd like to reach out to me directly, I, I'm more than happy to, to talk to not only nurses but also other professionals that are interested in this market or even potential customers or current clients. So you can always reach me at just Bart, B-A-R-T, Valdez. V-A-L-D-E-Z at com.
1: Well, I really appreciate again you being on the show today. Hopefully we can have you come back at some point and give us an update on everything that's going on. As we know, your industry is always changing and evolving. But we really appreciate you being on on today's show.
2: Great. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it.
1: All I'm going to take a quick commercial break and then come back with my second guest, Brian Arandez.
3: Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com.
1: Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Don't forget to visit us on iTunes on the podcast app there. You can subscribe. You can also go to iHeartRadio, subscribe, and, and listen to us there. Um, and if that isn't enough, you can also go to TalentTalkRadio.com, and you can subscribe there as well and listen to all the past shows um, and you can even find uh, my next guest, his first interview, if that interests you. And I'm sure what we talked about will be different because a lot has gone on since then. But um, my next guest is Brian Arandez. He's a CEO of Thingify and he's also the CSO of Maroon Vault. Um, and we're certainly going to find out everything that's going on with him. Don't forget, you can tweet your questions right now to peopleg2 or just follow that live feed. Uh, you can also follow the hashtag talent talk, all one word. But Brian, welcome to the show.
4: Hello, Chris. How are you doing? Very good. Awesome. Well, nice,
1: la- nice the last time we had you on the show, the... it was all about uh, Thingify, and I know since then you're doing some things now with Maroon Vault, so why don't you give us like a little update on you know what's sort of happening with you inside your, your business
4: since the last time you were on the show? Oh, it has been a while. Um, so Maroon Vault wasn't existing on the last time we had spoken? Right. Damn. Okay. Um, <laughs> in that case, uh, well, you and I have, are going to the CEO roundtable, and through that roundtable, we talk about our problems, and we, during that time, I think, I was having problems with Thingify. It was a 3D printing company, and we couldn't really figure out how to make it fun for us while still satisfying what we had set out to do. We wanted to serve everybody. It was pretty ambitious to take uh, uh, industrial technology and make it accessible for just the regular inventor uh, and the regular entrepreneur. Uh, when we set out to do this, we started getting 200 clients every year. and It was a really tough job for the team because uh, a lot of the inventors that we um, worked with weren't very well funded, didn't really respond to the market, um, and had ideas about their products that didn't really work out once it um, was actually put into practice. Um, So that was very stressful um, when we were working with so many clients. And um, we realized that at one point we need to either um, shut our doors or change our approach and um, what we changed was um, we reduced the number of clients we had heavily we looked at uh, who we actually worked with that um, was giving us fulfillment um, that was making the team happy that was making the team feel proud to be working with these people and we saw that it would be the more uh, the 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 more established companies they're they're not emotionally attached to their um, their their funding um, and they um, they actually did their market research beforehand, and so when we started uh, when we started Maroon Vaults by teaming up with one of our um, favorite clients, he's a um, he's an industrial designer from the Pasadena College of Design, um, and he has a track record of um, designing for Mattel um, all their helicopters. Um, you know their toy helicopters, and then he designed. Uh, he was part of the design team for two of Suzuki's cars, among other things. Uh, and he had like ten years of design experience uh, in his belt by the time we, um, by the time we started working together. Um, and uh, we just focused really hard on um, building strong relationships with um, with our customers. And, and what that meant for us was if we couldn't um, drink. And be genuine and be vulnerable with the customer, we wouldn't take that as a customer um, because it was really, really important to get at what essentially was driving them and because that would ultimately be what drives the product
1: yeah, and so that's a really interesting way I think to, to for people maybe to think about maybe they if they haven't exactly heard what Brian said, which was you know they had an issue and they had to figure out how to solve that uh, issue, and they had to change their their kind of business model but Inside of that, they made this conscious, conscious decision to work with people who they liked, they would want to go and have a beer with, um, people that would, you know, be get them excited about these projects, which is very different than what they were doing before, which was, you know, hey, we'll, we'll take anyone, we'll take all these people We have 200 new clients every year, and they're all going in different directions, and they're having different priorities, and so you're sort of kind of removing some of that stress. Uh, from there, so so it sounds like you guys evolved from a business strategy standpoint, and from uh, what you were doing uh, from one you know entity to the other. How did it change, or if it did at all? I mean, you because you kind of went from one focus to another. Did the people inside your organization, the people that you needed to help support you and and, and drive this, did they change?
4: Yes, um, it did. Um, so the philosophy of the business completely changed from making sure that uh, we had as much volume as possible and we had a lot of operational efficiency um, to a business that um, was very relationship-driven and was more focused on creatives um, and designers. And during that time, we lost two of our employees because um, one of them was completely focused just on um, Driving the machines and making sure everything was nice and polished, um, and he was focused on sales as well. Like he he does back end work, but he also um, talks to the people um, and interacts with them because he's very very personable. How, how he arrived at this position was, he, he we started him off on a sales role because um, when I hired him, he was um, studying to be a hair uh, dresser, and i was just thinking hey hairdressers they must be really great with people and um he's a good looking guy he could talk to a lot of people and um but of course since we were focusing on a more sales approach and he was very very good at talking to a lot of random different people and not really diving deep on a one-on-one basis um, he couldn't satisfy the new sales role and on the um, back end work we started um we started subbing out all of our back-end work. We we hired um, other firms to do the 3D printing because there's in in 2012 nobody really knew about 3D printing. 2013 the market kind of got into a hype phase, and um, and then afterwards we started discovering all of these other companies um, that. Um, that were serving aerospace and the automotive industry um, for th- you know in 3D printing, and uh, they they could do it a lot lot better than we can um, for prices that um, were either very similar to ours, um, or if it's expensive, it's expensive for a good reason. Um, and so uh, we we started subbing the workouts to them. So some of these positions that we had kind of disappeared. We also um, lost um, another person who was very very task oriented because. Um, before we could just um put him on a task and he would go straight and you know hit a wall and he just like you know dig through the wall it's it, it, it it's 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 um he's, he's very tactical but uh you know like the the new um uh, the new way the company worked was incredibly creative like if the chi- the clients um you know if the clients um, uh, to understand something different about the market, um, then the 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 way we design the product has to change. Um, you know, it's 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 both flexible and creative. And so, um, you know, we, fortunately, we lost just those two positions um, and just those two people. But um, the rest of the people that we had were very energized with the change because instead of um, serving um, a lot of people who we didn't know if they were happy with um, our our. Performance or not, um, we, we we changed our client base from 200 a year to um, just three to five a year. And we were making more with three to five than with 200. Uh, and so uh, the, 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 the creatives were a lot more focused. They understood the product a lot more. They were able to dive deeper. Um, whereas um, on the previous approach, there was always this lack of information.
1: Yeah, and so that's a, you know, th- that's a lot to have to go through, right? You know, a lot of times we want to keep our people, we want to have people we rely on that we know, but you know, to have that evolution, you had to change what you were doing, which means you also had to change your people. H- have you also had to change some of your focus as far as you know, on a cultural standpoint? Um, you know, something we're going to talk about books here in a minute, but you know, since the time that we talked last till now uh, on the show. Has your thoughts about your company culture or your engagement or things like that changed at all?
4: Um, no, I think I've been trying to drive the same um, uh, point. Uh, it's just I found a better way of doing it. Um, I, I still wanted to treat individuals as individuals. It's just I realized that as a human, my capacity to treat um, individuals means I can only focus on very few. the only The only real thing that really changed in the company philosophy. Was essentially uh, reducing the waste of um, having to um, spread ourselves thin, um, and it, it's 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 a giant emotional burden, um, especially for I mean, even for me to you know I, I was involved in a lot of the projects, and 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 I personally like um, putting a lot of my heart into um, the projects, and if if there's so many. It, I, I can't, I, I can't connect as much as I want to.
1: Well, what are some of the new things that you're thinking about and working on uh, now here in the middle of the year of 2019? Um, do you have some you know, particular focuses or initiatives or things that you're really, you know, that are kind of occupying your brain right now?
4: Is this within uh, Maroon Vault?
1: Anything business related, I think, is is, is fair game. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Well, in Maroon Vault, um, we're, we're focusing on um, doing a lot more uh, automotive trade shows because we recently had a, um, an electric truck project for a German company where we um, redesigned an old Isuzu um, truck chassis, completely gutted it um, and changed the facades to make it look like um, uh, a futuristic electric truck. And um, this was very exciting for the team, so we doubled down and um, started uh, attending car shows uh, to see how we could contribute there, um, not just from a um, business-to-business perspective, but um, th- a lot of the people that we hire now are um, from uh, trans-design, uh, from car design, over in, um, in Art Center Pasadena. So, it's the kind of thing that energizes them, so it's the kind of thing that we just started um, doing more of. Um, and in these shows, um, we just have a, a a booth where we would interact with um, car lovers, and uh, they would sketch out um, cars and uh, and interact more. Um, and and this is this is very exploratory, so that's why we're tackling it this way. Um, I don't remember if um, I, I I I shared how. Um, I started uh, Thingify. Did I did I did I share with you that last time? Um, What I did was I um, I opened a kiosk in the middle of a mall, and the whole goal was to just have as many conversations about three D printing as possible. Because um, I had just I had just flown in um, from Japan a few months prior. Um, I opened a uh, and, and didn't really know anything about. Uh, American culture I didn't know anything about the 3d printing industry Um, I just knew that I wanted to get in business um, but I didn't know anything about the market so the only strategy was to um, learn I I need to learn and I need to learn fast so I hired one sales employee I opened a kiosk in the middle of a a mall a busy mall uh, put a 3d printing there and just made it perpetually print um, um, objects Um, we had another 3d printer in um, an office space nearby Um, That was a more industrial-sized machine. And um, during this time, we just had as many conversations as we could with people who were actually interested about um, the technology or people who just thought, hey, what's that? That looks pretty cool. And um, just through that process, we were able to find our direction. And um, I I think we're at the point in Maroon Vault where we're doing that again, where we're just trying to figure out, um, okay, where do we take it from here? How do we go from a, um, a, a business that serves clients um, but with no specific brand? Like our, our like, own um, brand has to match the brand of the client. Um, we have to tailor ourselves for the client, um, a specific um, design ethos. But, you know, like for us to find ourselves um, and just energize the team that way, um, we need to you know find what we love and and just explore that uh, further so it's it's more of it's more of, a, it's more of a, a, a a time for us to figure out um, who we are as a team again um, I think I think as a business we just go in cycles of okay let's let's focus on um, serving clients let's um, and, and then there's also a time where it's kind of a self care process where we just try to figure out okay how do we how, how do we energize ourselves? How do we uh, how, right. how do we make sure that we don't get burned out? Um, how do we make sure that we we understand where we're coming from?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I want to make sure we have time to. We're almost here down to the end, and make sure we have time to talk about books, uh, something you and I uh, both share uh, as a passion. And uh, my, Brian's in uh, my Orange County uh, book club. If anyone's interested in joining that, we meet uh, once a month in uh, Costa Mesa. But um, we read. Uh, at least one book a week, excuse me, a month, one a month uh, through that book club. I know you probably read even more than that. But is there a recent book that you might uh, suggest our listeners check out or one that you're reading now that you would uh, suggest?
4: Well, our current book club um, book is very fascinating, um, dealing with emotions. its I forgot the title, but you would remember.
1: Uh, Yeah, it's Emotions at Work.
4: Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. No
1: hard feelings. How to deal with emotions at work?
4: And what strikes me about the book um, is is that it has a lot of the things that I care about um, in terms of um, the self care, the making sure that um, you know, like there, there's a lot of strategies in there for people at work to make sure that they can actually feel fulfilled at work, not not to be spoon fed the fulfillment, but to actively search it out, and. Um, I feel, especially for um, your audience here, that's incredibly important because um, there's so many things that we do at work that can just take away our energy. Um, And, um, you know, a lot of people's lives revolve around um, their identity at work. And um, I I was that way before, and the only way I I was able to detach myself from that was, one, my my wife um, made a point to make sure there's a boundary between work and home, and I should respect that boundary. Um, you know, not just uh, not not just physically, but also emotionally and mentally. But also um, th- through her constant reminders, and also through the process of uh, of just you know like understanding what I like a lot more, what 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 um, who I am a lot more. It's it, 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 it's incredibly introspective, and a lot of people wouldn't have that opportunity because as they go from the identity of being a student, they go immediately to the identity of being a worker, um, and um, it, this seems to have a lot of strategies for developing, um, you know, uh, fulfillment while you're in that process instead of having to break away from it like I did.
1: Yeah, and I would certainly agree with you. I mean, this book has been a good um, reminder and a good summary of, of a lot of the other books that we have read around emotions and cognitive biases and focusing on. But it's it's done in a very... I think a different perspective um i appreciate the it was two female authors it's sort of been different to have two authors talking about this uh in their own perspectives um and so uh, certainly one that uh, people should check out uh, if they're interested
4: um because of the female author and because of the topic it reminds me of super better by jane mcgonigal
1: Yes, which is another fantastic book, especially if you're trying to, to you know, deal with something big or get over an illness or something like that. But, uh, you know, yeah, I think those are, those are some really great books uh, that people should think about checking out. Um, but, uh, Brian, let's we're at the end here, and I really appreciate you being on the show um, and, and coming back. I'm glad we didn't scare you away from last time. But uh, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested? Maybe they uh or you know want you to do some work for them what's the best way for them to find out more
4: just go to maroon vaults.com that's maroon as in the color maroon and vault as in a bank vault uh, so maroon com.
1: again brian thank you so much for being on the show and uh hopefully we'll have you come back at uh, some point again for a third visit
4: all right thanks chris
1: I'll be uh, traveling uh, the next few weeks, speaking all around uh, the world, actually. So if, uh, if you need me, you know where to find me. If, if not, well, tune in here every Tuesday. We still have some best of shows. We'll be putting up uh, some of our best from the year, uh, maybe even last year. So tune in here. Uh, don't forget to go to talenttalkradio.com. And uh, until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today.